0: couple weeks ago harold linder uh texted me and he there's a baptist pastor who wanted to know about the uh titles of well what he said were the names of god in the old testament jehovah jireh jehovah nisi to, uh, tell me about all the names of god in the old testament and i uh I just stopped, and I, uh, I I said, well, here's the Bible dictionary. You can look it up. But he's absolutely wrong. Those aren't the names of God. There's only one name of God in the Old Testament. It's used 6,700 times. Uh, do we have that PowerPoint? Uh, someone get with you, if you have your Bibles or... If you've got a phone or something with, with a Bible on it, uh, I'll take any version, but if you've got King James, that's good. New King James, whatever we got. We want to look up G- Genesis chapter 2 and verse 4, and this is the first time in the Old Testament that the name of God is mentioned, and it's mentioned 6,700 times in the Old Testament. So you can't be, it's not like, uh, you know, just the title, Jehovah Nisi, whatever. Okay, so who's got that? Maybe we could even get it on the screen, Genesis. 4 I'm typically going from uh, Yeah, what version is that Is it what? New King James perfect. I'll work with that All right, so let's look at that and you can look at your Bibles This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens Does anyone notice anything funny in that verse Unusual. What's capitalized? Capital L, capital O, R, capital D. It's all caps. What in the world? Oh, yeah, there's power, absolutely. But there's one more thing that you need to know about that. Every time it says capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's what the New King James, King James, and most other versions in English translate the name of God as. Uh, flip to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4. This is the most important verse in the Bible, arguably, because it sets up everything else that comes. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And this is what it sounds like in Hebrew. Shema Yisrael Yahweh el Hainu, Yahweh Echad. Twice in the verse, the name of God is used. And the name of God in the Old Testament is Yahweh. Sometimes it's translated as Jehovah, very rare, but that's the same name, same word, uh, Yahweh. It's the name of God in the Old Testament, and uh, it is absolutely powerful. You say, well, what does it mean? My wife has um, about three dozen, four dozen books on names. And she drags them to school. And she uh, has the students look up what their name means. And then not only that, but the spiritual meaning of their name. Now, sometimes names don't have too much spiritual meaning. You know, man from the north, Norris, that's what that is. You know, I'm not sure how spiritual that is. Uh, But David... That's beloved, so that's a good one. Uh, And so um, when they learn the spiritual meaning of their name, then they go like, oh, well, that's good. And the reason why she wants them to know that is because names are ultimately significant. They're ultimately significant because they contain power and authority and honor. Now, we don't know much about that in our culture But that's the absolute truth, that's why God gave us names. I remember uh, one girl, years ago, I traveled to IBC two days a week, and I brought that whole suitcase full of books, and I passed them out, and one girl's name was Brandy. And I said, well, okay, what were your name for? She said, Brandy. So we went around the class and said, well, what can we change that for a spiritual meaning? And so we did some creative things, living water and spirit of God, and you're not drunk on wine, blah, blah, blah. And, there's, and so finally we got something so that when she was done, that every time they called her name, she would know that she had a spiritual, it was about relationship with the Lord and God's special purpose for their life. Well, so Yahweh has a meaning. The name of God in the Old Testament has an absolute meaning. You say, well, what is it? Well, I'm about to tell you. Turn to Exodus chapter 3, Exodus chapter 3 uh, in verse 14. Um, you know what? This is, uh, this is on my slide, so maybe we'll, I'll try to catch up with my slides. Try to find the one with the burning bush on there. Uh, that, that slide its about 3 4 in. Exodus 3.14 Moses is he sees this burning bush and it's it's burning but it's not burning up and it's the Lord speaking I'm the God of your your fathers God of Abraham the God of Isaac take care off your shoes your holy ground Uh, I've heard the 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 groanings of the people uh, in Egypt your people and uh, I'm going to deliver them great you go God well wait a minute there's a catch I'm sending you to go and deliver them and there's argument back and forth and Finally, Moses says, well, now, uh, when I go and tell them that the God of their fathers is here, and they ask, what's his name, what should I tell them? This is Exodus 3.14. Exodus 3.14 says, I am who I am. And he said, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Now, what do you notice about that? It's capitalized. Just like Lord is capitalized, I am is capitalized. Why is it capitalized? Because it contains the name of God. You say, what are you talking about? In Hebrew, um, words typically are... Uh, based on three consonants. He was a consonantal language. So there's a, what they call tri-radical root. And so every word can have stuff added to it on the beginning and on the end and do all kinds of things. A verb can become a noun and a noun can become a verb and there can even be some adjectival stuff going on there. But it's based on three uh, three radicals. and And so the word that Yahweh is in part based on is the word... Hayah. It's it's uh H, it's got the H Y H sign, Hayah. And it's a to be verb. So it's is, I am, you are, and so on and so forth. But it is it's unique because uh in Hebrew it doesn't have the same, you know, we have past, present, future. In Hebrew they have perfect and imperfect. So perfect means it's like done. Imperfect means. Everything else. Everything else. All potentials. What is it you need? You need a savior? I am. Yah, asher, yah in the Hebrew. I am that I am. It's based on that. And so when you read the word Yahweh, it's yod, hey, vav, hey. Y H W H. When you read that word, it's it's uh, it's the to be verb in the perfect. It's not simply I am. But it is I am. I am everything you need. Do you need provision tonight? I am. Do you have a broken relationship in your family? I am. Are you a little worried about the future? You're not sure what th- things are going to do or which way it's going to go? I am. So what do you need, Moses? Well, <laughs> I guess I need the Red Sea part. That's what I need. I am. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Can we just praise the Lord for that? Amen. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We exalt you, Lord. We magnify you. We thank you, God, for all your goodness and love to us. We thank you for who you are, Lord. Give us a revelation, Lord God, an understanding of who you are. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. When I was doing my uh, doctoral dissertation I wanted to do it on uh, baptism in Jesus' name. I figured, you know, we believe that. It's good stuff. I should write on it. Uh, and I went to a secular university, so Temple University. They don't believe fat is greasy. Uh, they don't, you know, you can't use the Bible to prove anything. So you can study whatever you want, but you have to study it in the confines of how they they study. So... Uh, I'm I'm collecting these articles, I'm trying to get something going, I'm looking, trying to find something on baptism in Jesus' name. And I realized, um, as I was talking to my professor, that you can't start with Jesus, you have to go back to the Old Testament and start with Yahweh. And so he said, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to read every journal article that's ever been written on people's idea of where the etymology of Yahweh came from. I mean, it has to come from something. Again, evolutionary thought, nothing can be original, nothing can come from God, it's certainly not a miracle, nothing like that. Find out where it came from. So I read every weird article you could ever imagine. Think of Mars Hill. Well, it's from the Egyptian meaning, blah, blah, blah. Oh, no, no, it's it's, it's old Mesopotamian, blah, 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 blah. blah. It's all this and that and the other. And uh, finally, I came across this journal article written in the 1970s, by a guy by the name of D. Priman niles And he said, you'll never find out the meaning of Yahweh by studying etymology. This is the basis of his doctoral dissertation. He said, the only way you can understand the meaning of Yahweh is in the context of worship. And this is really cool. Okay, so he said this. He said, uh, there's a uh, Hebrew idiom, not a Hebrew idiot, but a Hebrew idiom. The Hebrew idiom, it, it, just like we say, uh, it's raining cats and dogs. And we know that we're not looking for a cock or spaniel coming down from the sky. So he says there's this phrase, it says one thing, but sometimes it means another. The Bashem b'shem Yahweh literally means to call on the name of Yahweh but it also in the idiom means something else. It sometimes means that Yahweh's name is called on you. And this idiom is, is used especially in terms of covenant initiation and covenant renewal. Lakroh, Bashem, Yahweh. I found a, I, no, I didn't have the original King James, but I had a facsimile of it, which was kind of cool. And I looked what the marginal note was. Because of that, in uh, Genesis 4.26, uh, in the days of Enos, men began to call on the name of the Lord. And the marginal note was basically, it could be that the name of the Lord was called upon them. Have you ever wondered what was going on when... um, Moses is up on the mountain he wants to see uh, the glory of the Lord and he's up there and Yahweh descends his Exodus 34 and he says Yahweh Yahweh what's the point of that well let's back up a little bit Exodus chapter 20 verse 2 it's invisible in the English but this is Yahweh's orally speaking out loud I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt It's an interesting thing when you do a genre study and you say, what was this going on? What is the Decalogue there? What's the Ten Commandments like? The genre or the pattern that it has is the pattern of what kings do when they call people a city into covenant. When he says, I am the Lord over the people, he was literally calling them into covenant. But they broke the covenant. And so Moses winds up being the mediator for the covenant of Exodus 34. And so in the place of the people, Yahweh, Yahweh. I read a guy by the name of Sigmund Molwinkle. Sometimes we don't think that the people felt the presence of the Lord in the Old Testament, that that had to wait until the New Testament. I keep walking out of the light. I better stay in the light here. But he said, and I think he's right, he said there was a point in corporate worship where the presence of God could literally be invoked and called down. Think of this. This is Numbers uh, chapter 6, verses 22 to 27. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them. Now, this is an invocation. This is cohortative. Okay. There are very few things that saying it is the same as doing it. But there are some. I now pronounce you man and wife. I pronounce this ship to be the SS, Queen Elizabeth, or whatever. This is what's going on. They were literally calling down the name of the Lord upon the people. The Lord bless you. And here's the cool thing about that. Where the name of the Lord is, the presence of the Lord is. When you invoke the name of the Lord, you're always also invoking the presence of the Lord. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. That's Yahweh. Yahweh bless you. Yahweh keep you. Yahweh make his face to shine upon you. The word face there is panim. It's the word that's used for the presence of the Lord. When they said make his face shine upon you, that wasn't a good little like, oh, I'm singing this for you goodbye. This was, no, it's happening now. You are empowered as priests to call down blessing. Your power, the Lord keep you, shamar, like a guard on the wall. Uh, The Lord, make his face shine upon you. His presence be with you. The Lord, lift up his countenance, again, his panim, and give you shalom. They were saying, when God's presence is there, everything else, all the distractions, all the enemies, all the confusion in life can go away. The Lord bless you. And, of course, you know that we as the church are empowered in the same way to lay hands on people in the name of the Lord and God will do for us what he wants to do all along. It's not that God doesn't want to heal. He wants to heal, but he wants us to just obey and believe and acknowledge that he's doing it and he's empowered you to call the name of Jesus, to lay your hands on sick people and they'll be healed. Would you lift your hands to the Lord and thank him for his power and mercy and might? Thankful that we can be a part of what he's doing. Hallelujah. Lord, you're good. Lord, you're holy. Lord, you're mighty. You're mighty. Praise God. Praise God. The Old Testament prophets prophesied that there would become a time when it wouldn't just be the Jewish people. In fact, they were initially called to be priests to the nation. They didn't do that very well. Um, but there would come a time when the Gentiles also would serve the Lord. It's in the book of Isaiah. It's in the book of Ezekiel. It's in the book of Jeremiah. I'll make a new covenant. Um, and then there's a wonderful passage in the book of Amos. I'm going to turn there and and uh, because this actually wound up being a verse that settled uh, the whole dispute of what do you do with the Gentiles? It's Amos chapter 9, and it's verses 11 and 12. Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12. On that day, I will raise up the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair its damages. I will raise up its ruins and I will rebuild it as in the days of old, that they may possess the remnant of Edom and all the Gentiles who are called by my name. In my dissertation, I read the Dead Sea Scrolls, and I discovered that the basis, their founding doc, uh, documents basically said we exist because Yahweh called us by name. If you're called by name, you are in covenant in uh, the book of Amos here. When it says they're called by name, that literally means the, the name of Yahweh is orally invoked over them, the Gentiles. Now, um, Some scriptures are easy to ignore. Some scriptures are easier to apply. This is not one they really, well, maybe it means we're going to beat up on the Gentiles or maybe it means we're going to control the Gentiles or maybe that's what it means. But to think that the name of Yahweh would be called upon the Gentiles, they would be called by his name, that they would be in covenant, that was a hard one to swallow. The word for uh, Gentiles there is goy, or the plural is goyim, goyim. Uh, And it's not a nice word. Even to this day, if a, a Jewish person wants to offend another Jewish person and say they're not really Jewish, they'll say goy. It's like a bad word. Of course, we're Goyim, okay? So, just let you know. But that's like, that's bad. It's this one you save for your arsenal of when you're angry and you throw that out there. I was pastoring in uh, Philadelphia, and uh, there was a bumper sticker on a car. Evidently, a Jewish person. Um, One of the men in my church told me about it. It said, "Goyim." Anoyim. (laughs) But there's a turn from the Old Testament to the New Testament. The word for testament in Hebrew is berit, and it's related, and there's a semantic overlap, to the word for uh, covenant and testament in the New Testament in the book of Hebrews, diatheke. Testament covenant, Testament covenant. The Old Testament uh, was good, but it was full of promises of what would be better. And the New Testament was going to be a full restoration of people to God. It was something that had been promised, something that had not yet come. The Jewish people had two ages: they had uh, Olam Haba, the present, uh, the coming age, and the Olam Hazah, this this age. But um, they knew that the good stuff was yet to come, the coming age. Uh, I want you to turn with me now to the book of Matthew, chapter 1. And I want to show you something here. Matthew, chapter 1, and verse twenty One. Let me set this up for you. In fact, um, I need. uh, Is there a a young single man here? Raise your hand. Uh, Okay. So, come on up, Landon. Is there a young single lady here? All right. So you're in. This is uh, an arranged marriage right here. So here we go come up in the light here so uh there's two uh birth uh narratives there's the matthew narrative and then there's the luke narrative in the luke narrative we uh see uh verse 26 luke 126 a virgin um, who lives in nazareth and then the angel comes in Uh, someone want to play an angel for me i need a bit of an angel here okay so come up here in the uh, platform and be very angelic here, Mother Wesley. Uh, uh, and, and so there she is, a teenager, probably a young teenager. Uh, and he says, "Rejoice, highly favored one." Rejoice, That's what he said. Okay, rejoice. Um, you, you found favor with God. You found favor with God. And so she's afraid. He says, "Don't, don't be afraid." Don't be afraid. Um, you've you you, you you've found favor with the Lord, uh, and you'll, you'll bring forth a son, you should call his name Jesus, and um, he'll be great, we've called uh, the son of the highest, um, he, the, the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, uh, um, you reign over the house of Jacob forever, and as king there shall be no end, it's very powerful, he just said that, and then you go like, well wait one minute, oh I don't know about that, yeah, so you say, how can this be? How could this be? I'm not married. I'm not married. And she is engaged, and it's equivalent, binding to be married, but she's not married yet uh, because I don't know a man. And then he says, uh, the angel of the Lord said to her, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you, and the whole uh, Holy Spirit will come upon you. The Holy One who will be born of you will be called the Son of God and he's she. he tells about Elizabeth, and she's old, and she's having a baby, but God knows she be possible She says, let it be according to your word. Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be according to word. All right, stick around here. We need an angel in a bit here. All right, now, she comes to her beloved, her in, in, intended, please come over. And this is some months later, and she says... Uh, And you can say it right in the mic. We'll trade the mic back and forth there. Say, um, uh, Joseph, I have something to tell you. Joseph, I have something to tell you. You can tell me anything. I love you very much. Say it right in the mic. You can tell me anything. I love you very much. (laughs) (laughs) And she says, uh, Joseph? Joseph? I'm going to have a baby. I'm going to have a baby. says it's, it's news to me yeah he said you say has some surprises. yeah <laughs> um, yeah like uh, who's the father you know how could, what are you talking about and you say Jesus <laughs> I'm gonna have Jesus say God's God's the father okay now he's like Now she's telling me this, whopper. I mean, like, are you serious? Say, uh, we'll have to talk later. We'll talk later. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you can be dismissed? You're not dismissed yet. Okay. So the law says that uh, she should be stoned because the culture is an honor shame culture. And so um, if you have shame on the family. There's also shame on the village. And the only way to take care of that is to have justice served. But the Bible says, uh, this is Matthew 1.18, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows after his mother Mary's was to Joseph forth the came together, God, she was found with the child of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not want to, to make a public example, was, was minded to put away privately. But then verse 23, verse 20, while he thought on these things, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, saying, Joseph, son of David, Joseph, son of David. do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your merry wife, for that which is conceived in her the is of the Holy Spirit. Yes. And verse 21, she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All right, let's give our angel a hand, and our <laughs> Joseph. And Mary thank you thank you now what do you notice about uh, Jesus here it's all caps why did the translators choose to make Jesus all caps well in the Hebrew well let me just tell you something about um, names remember I said names are important and A lot of times, many times in the Old Testament um, the name of God is included in someone's name. So Elohim is the generic word for God but when you're speaking of God, of course there's only one true God. And so sometimes El will get included in a name. So Daniel, God is my judge. But then Yahweh often gets included in names uh, at the end of names um, and it's a reminder of how our relationship is uh, wound together with that of the Lord of the One True Living God. So Zechariah, the Lord remembers Elijah. El, you got both elements. Yah in the end, Jah. Um, you uh, Yahweh is my God. Uh, Zephaniah. Uh, you got uh, Daniel. The f- first thing they do when they bring those Hebrew children over into Babylon is to change their names. Why did they change their names? Because the names they had had the name of God in them, uh, Hananiah, and so uh, they wanted to change their names. Well, the the name that's translated in the English uh, Jesus is from the Hebrew word Yeshua, Yahshua, Yah. And the word Yahshua literally means that Yahweh has become our salvation. So for the first and only time, and it's the same word as Joshua uh, in, in Aramaic, it's Yehoshua. For the first and only time in human history, the name, it was exactly the meaning of who the identity of that person was in Jesus Christ, the man Jesus Christ. Yahweh has become our salvation. Praise God. Let's thank the Lord for that. Amen. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. So, is it like multiple choice that you can... Be baptized in the name of Yahweh because that's the name of God or the name of Jesus. What's going on there now? I'll give you a short answer here. The name of Yahweh is contained in the name of Jesus. So it starts with the name of Yahweh and it adds this component, this identity, this element of salvation. Jesus literally is the one who is our salvation, he came to save his people from the sins. And and lest you miss the point, Matthew says, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, this is verse 22 and 23, by Isaiah the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall conceive and bring forth a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Oh, wait, keep going. Uh, Yeah, wrong verse. Uh, Verses, verse 23, shoot me down to 23. Shall call his name Emmanuel with us God m-n-u-l which is translated god with us god with us amen that's what he is god with us i'm going to pause here and i've gone really fast and maybe you have a question maybe your neighbor has a question turn to your neighbor and said you got any question i'll ask for you uh is there anything you want to clarify Emmanuel is not capitalized, so that's interesting. And every time after Jesus in the in the New Testament is written, it's not capitalized. But for whatever reason, I think the translators wanted you to know it was related to the name of God. And, and a translator is a translator is a translator. So whether they capitalize it or not, you know, I was doing a Portuguese uh, seminar. Uh, well, it was in Brazil, but it was in Portuguese. So I had the Bible, and, and I was trying to figure out which they were capitalized and which they are not. So it's a translator's choice, but the translator's choice for a reason because they know the meaning of the name Jesus, and I think that's why they initially capitalize. So, good point. Other questions about the name of God, Old Testament, New Testament? Okay. All right. Um, So what was Jesus' mission? uh, It's a rhetorical question. I'll answer it myself. What was Jesus' mission? I'll ask it a third time. What was Jesus' mission? We find out from John the Baptist. And this is once in every single gospel and twice in the book of Acts. I came to baptize with water but the ones coming after me is going to baptize with the Holy Ghost the Holy Spirit. That's that's the mission of uh, of, uh, John. He's mightier than I. So it's interesting that it's in all four Gospels and twice in the book of Acts. This whole baptism of both water and spirit, this baptism... uh, is what brings us back to what was, was lost at the Garden of Eden, a full and free fellowship with God. I came to baptize with water, but he came to baptize with the Holy Spirit. That's Jesus' mission. Now, listen very carefully to me on this because you might misunderstand me. Jesus can do something God can't do. Jesus can do something God can't do. Thank you. God can't die. Jesus could die. Well, if Jesus is God, how can he die? Yeah, yeah, he's, he's, he's God, but he's fully human. 1 Timothy 2, 5. For there's one God and one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. The man, Christ Jesus. And so Jesus had to undo the mess that Adam made. Jesus was tempted because Adam was tempted. Jesus suffered because he needed to go through everything that human beings went through and succeed to undo the consequences of the curse of Adam. For since man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the death. For, this is 1 Corinthians 15, 21 and 22. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ all shall be made alive. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right, so Jesus came to baptize with the Holy Ghost. Here's the question. How many did he baptize with the Holy Ghost in the Gospels? He spoke to Nicodemus. He said, unless a man be born of the water of the Spirit, he can enter the kingdom of God. He spoke to the woman at the well. If you'd ask of me, I'd give you living water. But when Jesus spoke in his ministry, he spoke proleptically. That is to say, he spoke in the present tense of what would come. And so that's why in John chapter 7, verses 37 to 39, On the last day that created the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believe in him receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. That man, Jesus, had to die for me. That man, Jesus, had to suffer uh, the whip of the persecutors and the nails of the cross and the scalp being pierced by the thorns and the, the spear in the side and all that he suffered. He had to die, buried, rise again, and then, uh, and then he could pour out the Spirit. Now the Bible says in Galatians 3:24 that the law is our tutor to bring us to Christ. It takes the entire Old Testament to give us a word picture of why we need the man Christ Jesus. every piece of furniture in the tabernacle. Um, the altar is is like Jesus. The labor is the cleansing of Jesus. Ah, uh, I am the bread of the life. I am the light of the world. The altar of incense, Ephesians five two. He's a sweet smelling savor to God. Uh, Hebrews ten twenty two. The veils is flesh. The ark of the covenant. For in Him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. But one of the most potent uh, metaphors and word pictures of what He is doing and has done is that of a priest in a priesthood. What does a priest do? All right. Uh, I'll have my same three people back up here. This time they're not Mary and Joseph and Angel, but there are other people here. So let's come on up here. We've got my volunteers already going here. Oh, it looks like we had some future volunteers. We'll keep that in mind for the next example. All right. Okay, all right, so here, flip around here. I'll let you be the sinner. So you can be the priest, and you can be God. How about that? There you go <laughs> <laughs> Always wanted <laughs> so the the sinner he comes, he's got his sacrifice. the lamb is slain. The priest is the mediator, so you want to take the lamb here. And the the yes 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 okay and then the, the 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 priest goes to God on behalf of the people. And then God uh, gives forgiveness. So because uh, the priest is empowered, the priest then comes back. Lay your hands on his head. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance upon you. And give you peace. All right, hold that place. Now, Jesus said this. He said, nobody can come to the Father but by me. Here's the priesthood of Jesus. It's the work of Christ. You say, is Jesus, is Jesus is the Father, and Jesus, and they're literally talking to each other. He goes, please, 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 help him, please, please. No, 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 no. It's the work of Christ on Calvary. Yes. Hebrews 10, 12, this man, after offer sacrifice one time for sins forever, sat down, and it's idiomatic, on the right hand of God, in the place where no other human could be. It's the presence of a man in heaven. When they were, um, were going to leave Egypt, the death angel was going to come, and he was going to kill all the firstborn. There was only one thing that could prevent that. They would take the blood of a lamb, put it on the lintels and the doorposts, and when the death angel came, the blood on the doorposts was a, a mediator, an intermediary. It, uh, it, 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 it was the thing that, that, that covered that family and that household. Can I tell you, there's blood on the doorpost of heaven for you. When God sees you, he sees you through the blood of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Praise God. So the language is, Peter says, okay, he tells all about how Jesus died, rose again. He says he sat down on the right hand of God. And then he says, this is what he's done. This is He's explaining what happened on the day of Pentecost. He Uh, verse 34 and verse uh, 16, he says, this is that, which was spoken by the prophet Joel, pour out my spirit. And he says that being on the right hand of God exalted, he has poured out this, which you now see and hear. So it's the same as the Old Testament, if you allow me. Uh, The Holy Spirit, you can put your hand right on his head there. Loose him. Okay, all right. The Holy Spirit is the thing that cleanses us, the things that draws us to him, the thing that allows us uh, to know God in an intimate and, and relational way. It's because of the man, Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Okay, I'm going to do one more piece. Uh, Well, I can't really do that until I do some other stuff. So, um, the Bible says in the book of Acts, chapter 4 and verse 12. This is an incredible claim when you understand who it's being made to and made by. Day of Pentecost, people get the Holy Ghost. Acts chapter 3, the lame man's heel. Acts chapter 4, the, the bigwigs are mad. They call in Peter and John, and um, they only know one saving name. Now, by this time, it's become so private, they won't even say it. The named one, the most high, the one who dwells in heaven. They're, trying, they're thinking they're keeping it safe, but it's just sad that Satan can get people to stop saying the name. I understand what they're doing. They're keep trying to reverence the name. And I, I know sometimes we're around church stuff so much we we sometimes use the name of Jesus in a way that's, it's, you know, it's just too casual. I get that. I get that. But to not say the name of the one who has been called over in a covenant absolutely makes no sense. So Peter's claim is enough to get him killed here. He says, uh, verse 8, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, you rulers of Israel, elders of Israel, uh, of the people, if we this day are being judged for the good deed done to this helpless man, but what it means is made well, let me know to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which is uh, set at you not by, by you builders and has become the chief cornerstone. Verse 12 Nor is there salvation I, again. He's telling people it's not the name of Yahweh. He's telling the rulers of the land, you want to know how to be saved. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Amen. Acts 2.21. This is what scholars tell us about that. When Peter quotes Joel, he's getting all the way down to verse 21 in Acts So he says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's from Joel. But it echoes and mirrors and takes into the whole consideration, not just calling on the name of the Lord, but when you call on the name of the Lord, the assumption is that the name of the Lord is called on you. And most scholars will tell us that this was fulfilled in a narrative sense in the book of Acts in verse 38 when Peter said, Repent. Let everyone be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That was the oral invoking of the name of Jesus. It's the New Testament salvation name. Amen. Do one more piece, and then we're going to do a little group work here. Go with me to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. Here's the problem. When the Jews were saved, it was all easy. But when the Samaritans got saved, what are you going to do with those people? And then when Paul started going to the Gentiles and people were getting saved wholesale, Paul says, you know, you, know, you don't have to keep kosher. I mean, that's, that's just a Jewish thing. No, you don't have to be circumcised. And so... Um, some of the Jewish people were pretty tough on that. They are like, yeah, you got to become Jewish before you can get really in covenant. And he goes, no, you're in covenant. So um, he would start churches, and then some discipling people would come over behind him and say, oh, no, this is the way we're really do it. And Paul, he, he fires off the book of Galatians, just furious that they're doing this. And finally they call a big council in Acts chapter 15 to settle the matter. Do the Gentiles have to keep the dietary? Do they have to become Jews before they can become Christians? And there's a lot of argument. You can see it between the lines. And There were people that were Pharisees that were converted. And there still are people, you know. And any time I'm not listening to the Lord, I may fall into that category, you know. But Peter got up and testified, and Paul got up and testified about the goodness of what God did. And finally, after it was all over, um, James gets up. This is starting with uh, verse 14. And he says, Simon has declared how God the first visited the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. With, With this, the prophets agree. Who does he quote? He quotes that Amos passage. The prophets agree. Uh, they take out of the people for his name. Uh, uh, prophets is is written, after this I will return, will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which is fallen down, will rebuild its ruins and I'll set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name. And just as it is in Hebrew, it's an oral invocation. So it is in Greek. This means orally invoked, Over you are called by my name scholars universally says this has to do with baptism in Jesus name when the name of Jesus was called over you it was the saving name of God that brought you into covenant don't let anyone ever tell you nothing happens in baptism it doesn't matter how you're baptized it's this or that I'm telling you you we are privileged the, that the one that died for us is also the one that has his name placed over us and has called us into covenant. Let's just praise her, little Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Praise God. Praise God. In Jesus' name.